Hello there. Welcome to Digging Deep. I'm your host, Jordan Cameron. This is a podcast where we bring a series of interesting guests on to talk about their passions, beliefs and views on the world. And through these conversations, I hope you can all go away, never being afraid to dig deeper into your everyday lives to find the truth, beauty and new potentials and possibilities we can all truly achieve in this world. Today's guest is Anthony Hammerlinen from Finland, now living in the States, is the vocalist from the band Meridian Dawn, also being in the band's Night Rage and Armageddon. Let's jump into it. Anthony, are you there, my friend? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Just a nice, uh, very uh, sunny day over here. So it's pretty. Well, that's good to hear. Great way to start it off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, very nice. It's very nice. So it's good. So I want to start off by saying thank you so much for taking the time out. It uh, really means a lot. Um, no problem. So when, um, uh, sorry, the first question I like to ask all guests is when you were younger, what were some of the things that opened your eyes to a new perspective on how much positivity and perspective the world can offer you as a person? Well, I, I, I guess it was through, through touring when I was probably in my twenties and I started to go on tour and see the rest of the world and not just live in a, a bubble of snow. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, when you see the rest of the world and you get to do that for free, um, you can, you can start to see a lot of positivity and, 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 uh, and a bunch of negativity that people might've told you about things that, uh, you find out not to be true at all when you go to a certain place and it's incredible and you've heard a lot of bad things and it's not at all. So, yeah. Were there any places that stood out to you then? Sure. Like Italy. Like, you know, like people told me like how bad Italy was of a place like in, in the streets of Rome. And the uh, I, I found it the opposite. I found it like uh, uh, incredible, like just how they live amongst these ruins. And um, yeah, like they just were but people were focused, I think, more on the poverty that was going on there. And uh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, these are American people and they just saw, you know. They just saw people that were begging on the streets, man. You know what I mean? They didn't see like the Coliseum. They just saw that part. That that's what freaked them out because they don't see that every day when they're walking down the street. You know. So. That's really true. I mean, um, it, what was that? I guess um, was there a lot of the same things you might have seen um, from being from Finland? Yeah. Um, was there a lot of the same things you might have seen? No, I, there's the opposite, which you see in Finland. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> You'll never see somebody like dressed as like, you know, the Statue of Liberty, you know, like uh, as a mannequin, like just with a box next to it for, you know, for pennies. You know what I mean? Like you never see that. But, you know, um, but in, in America and in like maybe New York, you would. And, and so maybe if you're from New York, that wouldn't be a big deal. But for, for, for people that, you know, aren't from there and they go to and they go to Italy and they just go there as a tourist, you know, that, that's a huge that's a huge like, you know they see like a, a nun like begging for money. Like they, they don't know what that means, man. You know, they've never seen a homeless person do that before. So yeah, there's this. Wow. Yeah. So, um, weird, weird stuff. You were so, <laughs> I was, yeah. Um, it, it must've been really interesting. Cause, um, you did say that it was, uh, touring in your twenties. Um, so how did you get into that at such a young age? Yeah, I was just obsessed with music from a very young age. Just, uh, just obsessed with it. Yeah. My, my, uh, my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, uh, actually played a lot of music, uh, when she was young in Greece. And, and, uh, I don't know if that like rubbed off on me or anything like that or, or anything, but, um, but yeah, just, I had, I had musical, uh, musical, uh, 
background and like small stuff and and it just i don't know just morphed i just heard like metal bands and stuff my, my uncle was really into metal bands so he showed me a lot of bands too when i was really young and like judas priest and metallica and stuff so so that that's what got me into like wanting to tour and and to and to you know that that's what you have to do if you want to play music you know it's not it's not there's no other part of it you know <laughs> it's part of the deal so <laughs> there's no easy way about it you've got to just keep playing and playing and practice and practice totally totally. (laughs) and touring and you have to play around everywhere and see you know like i know what it's like to play louisville kentucky and i know what it's like to play uh the uh the o2 in london you know i I know what it's like to play both places and yeah the o2 is way better trust me but (laughs) (laughs) than louisville anything louisville has to offer other than if you're going to play the Bengal stadium in Cincinnati, which is in Ohio, but still that's very close to border. But that's the thing is like, I'm never going to play there. So <laughs> I, do, I will have to agree with you that the O2 is a fantastic venue to say the least. Yeah, I, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Got to play over Demon. When did you play that? Demon Hunter with Demon Hunter. Uh, it was Demon Hunter, Night Rage, Deadlock. And yeah, that was it. Yeah. Was, uh... So when you um, play venues like that and you, you know, you worked your way up to the, these big venues that you play now, yeah. was there a particular point where you look into the crowd and you just can't believe all the people that are looking at you playing? No, um, was there... nah, nah, not really, man. It's kind of weird, you know, because like when every, every, you know, I think, I think a musician looks at it like this by the time you get to that, you've seen so many different crowds by that point you know what i mean it all blends into one so when you get to like the you know i I played like in japan like in front of like you know twenty thousand people and i mean it's literally that it's the same thing as playing in front of two thousand people it's the same you know what i mean except i'd rather play in front of two thousand people where they're all close and i could see them and jump into the crowd and like do things like that whether than it's the other way where it's a huge barricade and you have to you know tried to do that once in Mexico <laughs> with Armageddon. I tried to jump into the crowd and the, uh, the security like grabbed my pants and like, wouldn't let me go. <laughs> yeah, dude, they wouldn't let me get in. And I was trying to crowd surf and they wouldn't. Now, granted, this was a soccer stadium. We were opening for arch enemy. So there was like 3000, 5,000 people there. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why are they, what the fuck? Like I've never had someone grab my fucking pants as I'm trying to jump in and hold me back. So I said, all right, fuck it. So I just go back on stage and just said, fuck it. And then later on, the girl that one of the girls I, I, I knew that was working for the production company, I asked her that. And she said, yeah, because someone might stab you. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, if you crowd surf, like someone's totally going to stab you. And I was like, what? Like, and she was like, yeah, that's what they do in Mexico. Someone's there to start trouble. And they would see that as an opportunity just to fucking do something. And I was like, okay, so that's really, she said, yeah, that's why they were not letting you in there. Just for the, just in case. <laughs> how fucked up is that dude you know and i was i i did it three times and you know i'm a big boy and i and you know i do jujitsu and shit and i and the other boy who was holding my pants he was bigger than me for sure and he he yanked me back like a horse at three times like nope 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 and i said okay you got it brother Jesus. yeah man so and, and he knew you know and she said yeah he knows he's he's there he's a soccer stadium guy you know he knows these fucking people he knows what will happen 
So playing for these um, particular crowds, um, like you said, for example, that you played uh, Japan, was there any like notice, noticeable differences that you've um, seen from like playing the O2 uh, fans in the UK to fans in Japan, like what they make of you? Yeah, just like the same old stuff you might have heard, like, you know, in between songs in Japan, they don't talk. So if you're like, hey, what's up? They barely say anything because most of them don't speak English or they don't uh, they just don't do that. It's like a, a disrespect thing. They only wait till you play and then they go crazy and jump around and act nuts. And when you play the music. But before that, they're letting you just do your thing. It's a weird custom, I guess. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's uh, probably the only weird differences there <laughs> everywhere else it's, <laughs> everywhere else it's nuts man you know well what was your first concert that you, that you ever went to then was what made it like stand out to you well okay so it's gonna make my, my my dad sound really bad but it was uh it was megadeth pantera and white zombie in 92 Whoa. yeah <laughs> and we went there with my uncle and it was i did really good in school that year and i got like very good grades and um that was my wish was to go see something like that. And they took me and um, yeah, it was incredible because those guys were going to shows. So that's how I, I, I you know, found out about it and everything. Uh, but yeah, it was incredible. So I got to see uh, Megadeth and the, the, the countdown to extinction tour. It was pretty, and, and Pantera was opening, man. You know, they were vulgar display. It wasn't even, they were, but when they played dude, it was like everyone. Cause you know, I only heard like one or two songs at that time in 92, I was 12 years old. So I didn't, you know, there was only two bands that were on my radar. It was like Metallica, like Morbid Angel and maybe like Megadeth. You know what I mean? So yeah, it wasn't like a whole lot. So when I heard those guys, even on uh, um, MTV, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you saw, I saw them and I was like, Oh my God, the whole place exploded. And you know, my uncle and my dad moved me aside, you know, because the place was going insane, you know, and I'm 12, you know, so and my mom's going to kill them if I show up with <laughs> everything on me, you know? So, uh, so yeah, the, the, those were eye-opening moments, you know, and, and things like that. I got to do cool things like that, but it was only after reward, you know, they wouldn't let me go unless I was uh, doing some good stuff behind the scenes, you know? Yeah, it's good that you that um you know that you were I guess that you were taught at a young age that like, you know work hard and you get rewarded. Yeah, for sure. What you're saying yeah. Yep, that's why I got this far with music. If this is called far, but this is what I think for me is what I like to play as far uh, with the style I like to play. I know it's a weird style, so it's not like a it's not um it's not Creed. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not, it's not, uh, actually, I'll say this, actually, I'll be nicer. I'll say it's not Breaking Benjamin, who's a better band, you know, than that, but a better band that's more commercial, you know, but a band, you know what I mean? Like that could, people could die uh, from this genre could maybe listen to that's not the same. It's not just as heavy, but you, you can feel the same melodies and stuff. So, so I, I just can't go into that kind of music a hundred percent. It's just not my, it's just not me. So. It's a definitely interesting um, listen. I, I really do dig it, um, which I definitely will want to tap into more um, with you. But um, going back to that concert, um, wh what was it like when being 12 years old and you see just the place explode with pits and uh, crowd surfers? What was that like for you? Uh, it blew my mind because I'll tell you the one thing that really stands out was that the, uh, the sound almost made my stomach hurt it pulsated really? yeah man the uh, the the monitors uh i remember making make just pulsating through my stomach and it made me need to sit down for a second and it was um 
Yeah, I'd never seen it. I, I'd seen it, of course, in videos, but I, I guess in videos, you think of it like it's just fake. <laughs> these guys are doing it for the video, but you see it and you're like, holy shit, these guys are really doing this. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry. Can I cuss? I don't know if I've, if I've cussed. I don't know if I'm allowed to or not on your podcast. Yeah, no, you're all good. You can cuss. Okay. It's fine. All right. I, I always ask. Jer- Jerome told me to always ask, so I always forget to, to ask. <laughs> it's cool. He's a good guy. I love him. <laughs> He's my man. Yeah, of course. But I always take his advice and ask just in case. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that, that was the thing. It was, it was, it was really insane to see. To see. I, actually, I remember walking in in the middle of the set of White Zombie and seeing their outfits. And, and it was the same outfits as the Thunderkiss 65. And going, I was thinking, wow, that's weird. They really dress like that. That's stupid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that was cool as a kid. I thought I, I was really from the school of Metallica. Like, why would you dress like with that hat still? Like, all right, whatever, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it, bro. Let's do it. You know what I mean? I mean, there was that um, time when. Uh, I think it was Thrash and Glam were kind of at war with each, each other. Um, it was a weird um, time, man. They sounded like Slayer meets uh, Danzig, you know, in a weird way on that last Six Aristo stuff. And that's what they were touring on. So everything was, was Thunderkiss 65, like last Six Aristo out and every, you know, they were trying it, you know, because he had painted everything on the Headbangers Ball. He painted the whole set. You know, if you never know that, like on if you ever seen the Headbangers Ball from America, like like Rob Zombie painted the whole set and made it like all of his like artwork. It looks like a fucking, you know, uh, Rob Zombie album cover. And uh, that was around that same time. And, and he was doing that with his set then, too. I remember seeing that, like all the weird zombie heads and devils and stuff all over the place. And but he had that weird hat on, dude. And I was just like, oh, man, this guy's still wearing the hat. Like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um you must have gotten back to school the next day just being like telling all your friends how Mm. just awesome this was right i did uh, it was in the summertime so there was no school um and everybody bro everyone that i knew dude did not like this shit okay they did not like this shit no one i i hung out with in high school or or middle school or junior high none of them liked it i had to push it and beg them and maybe some guys would like punk when we got later into high school i got a couple of homies maybe that kind of got into it you know and i got a few of them to like cradle filth and do my board gear and they kind of understood that a little bit in the 18 19 year old range but man i didn't have friends that like this i was playing sports and stuff too so my friends mostly listened to weezer <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know like uh fucking like you know mates like uh you know uh, blur they like that shit you know, like that stuff. You know? Oh God, yeah, that was like everywhere when I was a kid. Blur. Me too, but that, yeah, man, that was my high school years. So like that was everybody was into 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 Britpop. Britpop was huge in my area. It was the thing, you know. All those guys, like you know, Robbie Williams, anybody like this, you know, and all the way through that. So That's all not- the all the girls I dated liked him or you know Robbie Williams, dude. They didn't like death metal. <laughs> They liked In Flames. They thought In Flames was sweet. In Flames. Yeah. Everybody liked In Flames because they were catchy, right? You know what I mean? All the girls were like, In Flames is cool. <laughs> At least that's one thing you can bond over, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, they got clean. Oh, and soil work. Oh, he sings good. He sat clean vocals. That's great. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you did mention uh, you did you were doing sports as well. Um, do you mind me asking what were some of those? Say it again, sports. Sports. In oh yeah, sure. Uh, I did. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, I did like a lot of soccer, of course, or football, you know, and um, and then I did uh, tennis. That was my major thing. I actually went to college for tennis. <laughs> I got a scholarship. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like Lars Ulrich, exactly like that. Everybody used to make fun of me for that. And I was like, dude, it's not the same thing. Trust me, he's Danish. It's not even the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I went to Wright State University and played some uh, tennis there for uh, for them. Uh, my freshman year. And then I moved uh, to Arizona uh, where my dad got a job as a professor. So um, I kind of abandoned the career and started to uh, just work a little bit more on my uh, second uh, career, you know, um, having, a, you know, IT, I work in IT. I just did that for college and got an associates and, um, and just did that in Arizona. And then, yeah, just started to do music because I could pursue it after having some sort of fallback. You can you can pursue some stupid ass idea, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like music. Definitely. It's, it's not an easy ride that um, people just think, you know, I'm going to get to head into a studio, um, record some songs and that'll be it. It's a lot of hard work that people don't see, you know? <laughs> Correct. It is. And that's the, that's the thing that, uh, I mean, that I've been plagued with, dude, you know, is, 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 yeah i mean bands and people who don't work <laughs> trust me in metal in music it is the worst thing ever jerome would tell you too who you know that uh, working with musicians they're a bunch of idiots you know people don't want to work and they say that they want to work and then they don't do it and it's everyone's sketchied out and everyone thinks you know this stuff happens overnight and it doesn't so yeah it really doesn't it's a fucking, so I'll give you it's, a fucking it's a fucking bummer actually <laughs> it is i mean it, it, i would say it definitely beats a nine till five though <laughs> it does it does for sure mate i mean i'll tell you that it does beat a nine to five and and that's why i pursue it but you know dealing with the people that i've had to deal with i mean and the bullshit that you have to hear from people it's it's hilarious you know we just me and nick zero laugh it off constantly so it's uh it's pretty funny when did you feel you could actually uh, pursue music as like a proper thing then? Was there a point for you where you realized it? Yeah, when I was 27, when I first joined Night Rage and I, I first made real money <laughs> from doing it. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, you can do this shit. Okay, great, sweet. Let's keep trying. And then uh, after that, because I actually made a deal with myself. You know, I was like, when I'm 30 years old, if I haven't made any money off of music for real, like, you know, actually some sort of positive income, you know, then I should stop. And I did it at 27. So that's cool. And I, and I've still been doing it and making positive income and everything I put into it, I give back something positive. So that's the, that's the point. That's really cool to hear that. I really like that, that sort of mentality of having that there, that, you know, um, you sort of work towards that thing. I guess that's what um, kind of stuck with you from a young age. If I'm For sure. Kind of For getting... sure. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. Like soccer and, you know, like I said, like sports, tennis, every, any, you know, uh, martial arts. I did that as a very young age as well. Like I forgot to mention that, but yeah, um, you know, um, that, all that stuff, it, it, you know, that's the point of putting kids into those things is because it teaches you to, you know, move forward. Because if you move forward and you, and you work at this, you will become better. And, you know, it's like always the Wayne Gretzky uh, from hockey, you know, Wayne Gretzky, right? You know, that guy, like great great uh 
great uh thing his dad like made him like uh practice like shooting uh hockey goals uh until he like cried but then when he went and like tried out for the hockey team he beat everybody and loved hockey and everybody loved him and you know he just then and then he went out on his own to practice you know what i mean he didn't have to be motivated anymore he wanted to do it because he knew it would make him great he was good at it you know because he practiced so that's all you have to do is music or anything it doesn't matter what it is podcasting just keep doing it and you'll you'll become great that story kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've heard it as well, The when Bruce Dickinson was in the studio with Iron Maiden doing the number of the Beast screen. Of course, yeah, yeah. You've heard that story, yeah. yeah. Martin, Martin uh, what's his name? Martin, um, uh, the, the producer, it was the producer that was very famous for that. He was the guy that was pushing him all day to do it, you know. He did it like 90 times, right? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I would die. Like, see stuff like that, like even a singer, like, you know, it's really hard, man, to to sing like that, you know, and do that take 80 times in a row or something like crazy like that just to get the perfect one. That's tough. You have to really dedicate yourself. So, yeah, it's cool. Um, so doing my research on you, uh, you're a really interesting guy, um, obviously, is with um, – found out in this first part here um right. but being from finland uh what inspired your move to the united states and how much of a cultural change was there for you to make because i imagine that must have been a really big change to make right well it wasn't really for me because like or maybe you just don't know like uh i i moved when i was very young so i moved to uh to america when i was really young so i actually grew up here and would go back and forth and like go during summers and and i kind of like grew up multicultural you know my stepdad's Greek, so I got to, uh, you know, uh, have that side of my family as well, which is completely different from Finnish people. If you, <laughs> you know, Greek people like are completely the opposite of Scandinavian people. You know, they're so loud and like, you know, like open with their feelings. Where like Scandinavian people just want to hide in a fucking like <laughs> dark hole <laughs> and never <laughs> and never leave, dude, and just play guitar in a hole. You know what I mean? And just never leave. So. But Greek people, you know, they want to be in the sun and, you know, be in the be on the island and, and eat good food and, you know, grow out and you know, talk shit and, you know, and have a good time. And that's why me and Nick Zeros get along very well, you know, because Nick Zeros is Greek. So so like we we get along very, very well because of that, because we're both we both have this uh, connection. So so I kind of grew up very multiculturally, man. Like I'm kind of a weirdo, you know. Like uh, they used to make fun of me on tours and stuff like the, the, the Cypriot Greek Finnish American guy. You know, what a, what a fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little bit of everything, you know. That's really cool. Like, um, I guess um, that kind of, um, I guess it kind of partly answers my next question. But um, uh, how would you say that your upbringings as a child and your music taste made you into the person you are today? 100%. I mean, that was it. I mean, like I said, my, my uncle's. Uh, my dad and, and his brothers, you know, uh, they showed me this music and, um, you know, they were they were listening to Wasp and, you know, Judas Priest and, you know, all the all the British new wave of British heavy metal bands, just like, especially like, you know, Saxon and, and Iron Maiden and all this kind of stuff. And then and then, of course, you know, uh, in the 90s, you know, everybody was these guys were immediately turned on to Napalm Death and like Bolt Thrower and Carcass and, Nap and Morbid Angel and Death and Obituary and. And those are all still huge influences to me. I, I honestly, man, it, you know, that and like the, the Swedish stuff I found on my own and the Norwegian stuff, you know, you, you find that stuff just, of course, through that shit. That's what influenced that stuff. So you'll find it through that. Um, but um, 
that's the stuff I still listen to. You know, it's kind of weird. I still listen to that kind of stuff more. I don't listen to In Flames or, you know, uh, Dark Tranquility or nothing that anymore. You know, I still listen to the old stuff. It's kind of weird. I suppose because it had such a big effect on you, right? Yeah, of course. And I think that's for anybody, you know, man, like especially any any band that has like a nostalgic, you found it at one point, you know. Like I remember the first time I heard Soil Work, you know, and it was or actually, how about this? Hypocrisy. That's a band for me that still, that, that band up there is like, uh, for me, that band is like the same as Iron Maiden. Like that's a band that I heard and it changed the game. You know, hypocrisy. That's a band from Sweden that that really blew my mind. And you still to this day that that freak Peter Tegeter is putting out stuff and still badass. You know what I mean? So that tells you something. You know, stuff like that. It's cool. Definitely. Well, what about where where you grew up? Like, because um, you said you moved to uh, the United States when you were young. So what what about where you like grew up when you were a kid? Then. Um, I grew up first in Ohio. Um, that's where we first moved to, uh, because, well, I didn't first move here. My, my family was here. <laughs> my, my dad, my dad's actually great grandparents migrated to Ashtabula. I don't know if you know, that, uh, is a small town in Cleveland, like out of the Cleveland area. And there's a wow. ton. Yeah. It's a, but it's a, if you, if you, if, if you, if you see the town, it's kind of stupid. Everybody there has like a last name that's like Swedish or Finnish because <laughs> all the, all the weird migrants went there back then, you know, in the fifties and sixties and stuff. Um, so that's where my, my dad's like, uh, my dad's family's from and stuff. And, and, um, yeah, so that's where we went to after I was born and everybody just kind of went there because they had money and, and everybody's working in carpentry and working in the, uh, uh, steel industry there. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, kind of how we, everybody got started, I think. And, from from what I've uh, heard from my lineage, that's uh, that's how everyone got started, and then just kept going back and forth. So. It's a really interesting lineage you have. Um, it, it really, um, when I was doing my research on you as well, like um, looking, I noticed you had a Wikipedia page as well, and reading some of the stuff on there. I don't like. Well, who knows? That stuff you, you can you can you could write something on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's very true. It's like you don't know what's true and what's yeah, not. Yeah, who knows? Um, I, I've seen I, stuff on there that I've sang for bands I didn't sing with like before, like back in the day. Because like, we, I, I remember like Joe Nunez from 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 Night Rage and Camelot. Yeah, I don't know if you know. That's the guy who did like our our, Mor- our Meridian Dawn album as well. But uh, but yeah, he um he he was like, dude, like people keep like putting like weird stuff on our in, or on our Wikipedia. So we just want to delete. He's like trying to delete it and it wouldn't delete. So he kept like trying to delete it. <laughs> and inst- Or I mean, Wikipedia <laughs> kept putting it back up. <laughs> it was like, well, he can't get rid of it. So it was like false information. He could not get rid of it. I was like, what the hell? But yeah, that, it's incredible. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for bothering you with that. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's funny. I, I, I appreciate that. That's, um, I imagine that must have been a, a bit of a game changer for you when you realized that you had a Wikipedia page. What was your first reaction? Yeah. That? Well, it was like, well, I mean, cause dude, back then it wasn't a big deal. Like nobody had a Wikipedia cause it was in like 2007 or six or something, eight, maybe like when we first saw them and we were like, Oh wow, cool. We can like have a Wikipedia page. And then they just, they were just there. And then that was it. <laughs> and then people just kept adding to it. And then you have to have a reference now. Like it has to say like, you know, that this is true. 
you know, that's to have like an actual reference to it. And if it doesn't, then they'll just delete whatever crap information you put there, hopefully. But then, then again, you see stuff like Joe, he was like, they won't delete it. They just keep posting it back again. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. He was asking me, like, I knew something. He's like, you know, computers. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know Wikipedia. I'm not their, I'm not their architect. I don't know nothing about it. You know? Oh, that's some funny stuff, man. <laughs> you can't find Wikipedia. <laughs> can't. Uh, you can't, man. You can't. Well, I mean, what was it like actually um, seeing the evolution of technology grow up to uh, where we are today from where you are as a kid then? Depressing. Interesting. Depressing. What makes you yeah. say that? Because, man, it was way better when people could buy a record and, and actually hold it. And it was a thing like a book, you know, or like, like, a, like if I could just tell a kid today, like a PS5, like if you, it was like a PS5, you know, it was like having a bunch of PS5s, you know what I mean? Like a bunch of them, not just one, mm. but each one was different. You know what I mean? Each one had its own little secret and its own little stuff. And, and you could read like, we think these bands and then you go buy their stuff and you get their thing. And then this guy's got their band and that guy, this guy, this guy, blah, 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 and this producer, that producer, this guy, this guy, this guy. And that is what influences you to become. Um, um, uh, that's what makes you a Pantera. That's what makes you a Metallica is that you take the Misfits and you take Iron Maiden and you put that together, those two bizarre ass worlds that no one would ever think to put together. And these freak ass kids did it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's something to be said about that. It's gone because now you're going to have to do it and you're going to have to sift through a bunch of bullshit to find it on YouTube. You have to go through a lot of crap in order to find the real good stuff, brother. And that's the thing. Because now the best stuff doesn't just get the limelight first. It's It could just be someone who paid the most money and just got that nice ad on YouTube, you know? Hey, yeah, I, paid I five grand. That. There you go. You know what I'm saying? So that that's it. That's the only thing. It's just it's lost a little innocence. And when you pick up the record now, you have to be an old motherfucker to pick up an album and open it up and care about looking at the color of the vinyl and what uh, the lyrics are and, you know, stupid shit like that <laughs> that kids are just yeah. like that's dumb dude who cares bro let's just rock out you know all right we can do that too yeah I mean, let's do it <laughs> uh, well like when uh, I mean, i'll more than be more than happy to do that with you my friend um <laughs> like you know <laughs> you just um pick you when i was a kid you know i'd pick up the cd open it up and i'd be like oh my god you know it's got this cool design on the cd um it's got this cool booklet you can open and you can read all the lyrics you can read the thank you things at the back and i don't think kids today are gonna experience that which is kind of sad they and are even, not no and they are like, not. i i well i go up to them and say sometimes oh i remember blockbuster back in my day and me too <laughs> <laughs> blockbuster was the was the bomb man i mean if you ever had a girl that you know you were gonna hang out with and and take on a date, dude. You had a blockbuster. <laughs> they were coming back with you, dude. It was over. You were gonna make it. You know what I mean? You're gonna be the you're gonna be the dude of the night. If you had a couple blockbuster videos. Oh, you got the new one? Oh wow, look at you. For real. <laughs> I love it. And then, yeah, it's like, oh, you know what? We don't mind paying the 
late fee that's like we $2. don't want baby we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna dub it honey we got a second vcr we're gonna make a copy it's gonna be awesome <laughs> We'll sell like bootleg copies at school. What's up? You know what I mean? Everyone's going to want yeah. one. Everyone wants to see the new Spice Girls movie. You know what I mean? We got it. Oh, God. Dude, you're taking me back with Spice Girls. Wow. Dude, that actually, that actually got me late a couple times back in high school because there was a couple girls who really wanted to see that shit. And I had it because of my cousin. And she was young and she got it like before anybody. And I was like, thanks. All right. You have a copy here. I'll take this one. And every girl was like, dude, really? And I was like, yep, that's it. Girls were like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's go to his house, dude. Let's go to this guy's house. <laughs> that's I'm, a beautiful I was luring him in, dude, at 17. I was luring him in. I was like, here you go, dude. This is the big movie, dude. You guys want to see it? I lay it out. I got the big I got the big screen TV. My dad had a big screen TV. Let's go, girls. Let's see what's up. And they all came over. It was crazy. It was a crazy night. Yeah. So you didn't need the flowers and chocolates. It was just nope. the Spice Girls. That's it, dude. <laughs> and I have a, I had a, a big screen. We had a big screen, so that was that was the savior. Big screen TV and a VCR player. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was fun oh, time, dude. Oh man, I miss the nineties. I wish I could go back to them. I Me wish too. I'd be a DeLorean. <laughs> That's what I said. Like you know, it, it, that was the only thing I really missed though was the, the musical aspect of the nineties was because man, you, you just having a. a having records in a record store and, you know, having record signings. That was another thing I remember that was great. You know, and I, I mean, I've only been able to do a few of those in my life, you know, being able to go to a record store and sit down and, and sign them in Europe. And I did it in Korea. I got to replay a show in Korea. You know, they have a tradition where, you know, they, they came and brought us their iPhones and stuff to have us sign those and their iPods. And we were like signing iPods. <laughs> what? Yeah. And CD players, they were asking us to sign their, like their Discman's. And stuff like that and that was that wasn't that long ago mate that was like in 2012 you know we did that shit so or 2013 maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe it was 2015 shit it was 2013 i don't know um, um a lot of stuff <laughs> lot of i stuff. mean even talking about 2013 makes me feel old now that that's what like i'm a saying lifetime ago. <laughs> i know that's what i'm saying i'm trying to remember but i think it well let me see i actually have the poster on my wall here it's 2012 it was 2012 so yeah 2012 yeah. <laughs> and that 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 concert in korea they actually uh i'll never forget that too uh when we were leaving in the van all these kids started smacking on the windows like we were the beatles and we're like yelling like yeah and like like sending us off like saying this and all these all these people like, it was incredible and it was something i'll never forget it was like one of the, it was the last, it was, I think it was the last show I ever did with Night Rage. And that was one of the reasons why I ended it on that note. Because <laughs> it was such a high note to end it on. So it was great. <laughs> so That's a good way to end it on. I mean, I imagine you've had a lot more with your other bands as well. Sure, sure. I had tons more, but, but, that, but that was a great way to end that band, at least for live performances. Because we had some other stuff come out after that. But, but, uh, that, but yeah, that was, that was sick. That was a, a great way because, I mean, we were literally like, I mean, I just never forget seeing this little kid's face, man. And it was, you know, he was 12 years old. And I was like, there was a 12-year-old at the show. Oh, that's so funny. Because <laughs> I was 12, dude. Like I told you, at, at Pantera. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's great. You know, there you go. Okay, it's full circle. I'm done. There you go. 
<laughs> definitely passing it on must have made you feel so good right a little bit a little bit there like that that's great i mean i never i never got to smack uh uh the, the tour bus of pantera but but i uh i definitely i definitely feel how how fun that is to just you know you saw the band and there they are and they're getting into the they're getting into their their bus and you're they're leaving and you get to touch it that's cool you know i my mom did something cool once man i'll tell you another weird one I, uh, go on <laughs> here's a good one uh, so uh, when I was like 13, I, I, uh, I got to, uh, see Morbid Angel, uh, only, only through the eyes of the side of the stage. Um, when I was like 93, it was like 1993 and they were like touring opening for Motorhead and Black Sabbath, like when Black Sabbath had Tony Martin and they were playing a fucking venue, bro, that holds 1500 people in Ohio. Okay. And my mom was a good looking Finnish girl and my dad and my uncle were at the show and I had finished my uh, homework early and she goes, let's just go around there and just so you can hear it. Cause you know, I didn't, you know, I was too young at the time to, to go in there and, and, you know, be in a show like that where it was so heavy and all these people, cause it was a very small club, you know, and they, all they did was just go insane and jump off the rafters and shit <laughs> when Morbid Angel would play. Uh, but the guy like we pulled up next to the to the backstage because my mom knew the alley where it was and she just drove the car there and just stopped it and she rolled the window down for me to hear it and one of the roadies walked over and goes what's up and he saw my mom and he goes does he want to hear the show and she goes yeah he just wants to hear what he loves more of angel and he goes come on in and he just opened the door for me and i walked in and he would let me go onto the side of the stage and all i saw was trey just doing wow with the guitar dude just like some dive just and i was like oh my god and it just like blew my brains out and i tried to see if my where my dad and my uncle were but they were nowhere to be found just tried to look and then he turned me around and he took me back to my mom it was like you know probably one minute two minutes in there and then back around and into the car i went and back home we go and then she told my dad and they laughed and and he goes, yeah, we didn't really listen to them. We were uh, having a beer at the bar. <laughs> I was like, ah, shit, you fucking idiots. How can you not listen to that, you fucker? Because my, my dad and uncle were only interested in Motorhead. You know, that's the only reason that they went to the show was to see Motorhead and give a shit about Motorhead Angel or Black Sabbath. So. Well, I mean, God, Motorhead and Black Sabbath are just incredible bands live i mean seeing them live you know you can die happy after that you know <laughs> i know it's, and it's weird too because i told david i met david vincent many years later after that as a friend and i told him that story too and then he told me that on that tour he every day would sit and watch black sabbath do their sound check and like there was a day where he was like deathly ill and he still showed up and he showed up late but David told me that they didn't start until he came. And they said, yeah, we waited for you. We waited for you to come. We were wondering why you went. He goes, yeah, I'm sick. And he goes, okay, we'll start now. <laughs> and he thought that was incredible that they waited for him and they let him, and they let him uh, uh, get there. And they didn't know why he was not, he was late, but they still waited. You know what I mean? They didn't know why. They didn't know he was sick, but they just, he just showed up like in the robe, like all sick. Like they were like, well, what's wrong? He goes, oh, I'm sick. He goes, yeah, we waited for you. Tony and Omi, I, I, we waited for you, just waiting for you to come. We knew you were going to want to hear it. <laughs> there you go. Wow. 
Yeah. You know, uh, that's on one that thing same that, tour, uh, on that same tour that I walked in there and saw on that tour. That do the, you know if it was the same venue? No, he said they did it. No, but uh, he said no. He got sick on that tour. It, he didn't remember the venue, but it was on that tour that that happened. Uh, that he got sick and uh, they had, but he watched them do their sound check every night on the tour, every night, every day, every day. David was there to watch them do it. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, like to just completely take that in every single night must have just been something else for him. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. just imagining that now. <laughs> right, dude. You get to watch Tony Iommi just, just sound check and Geezer Butler. I think, I think Geezer was in the band. I, this was 93, man. So I know that, you know, it wasn't Dio. It was Tony Martin. I think he was the singer. Um, I think. I'm pretty sure. If I'm not mistaken. It was Tony Martin. It wasn't Dio and it wasn't Ozzy, of course. Because they were playing a very small venue when I saw him, dude. It was new, the Newport Music Hall in, in, in Ohio. That, again, that's like 2,000, 1,500 people. You know, I, we saw Slayer there when I was a kid with my uncle. I saw Slayer there when it was the nineties, when they did like the Diablos and Musica, you know, and they, they weren't shit back then. You know, that was the, the days that new metal was in time. So nobody was listening to anything like that. The good old days. <laughs> yeah. So those guys were playing the small venues and you get that you, we got to see those bands play small places. It was very cool. You know, that's why we were always very uh, sad about Dimebag because the Alarosa Villa where he was killed, uh, that's a place where, I mean, if my uncle and I hadn't been living in the West Coast at that time, we would have been there seeing this show. We would have been there. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. We saw every fucking band there, man. I saw Cradle of Filth there the first time they ever played in America was at the Alarosa Villa. And that was uh, five years before he died, maybe. 99, 99 they played there. And then the same thing with Di- with Dimu Borgir. They played the same year after. Um, in 99. The Alarosa Villa was a good a venue. It was They had like Accept play. All these kinds of bands back then. They, <laughs> like Accept, you know. Like fucking Wasp. We saw Wasp there. Amazing shit, you know, like that. And, uh, they, you know, this, this, ba- this venue packed 600, 700 people, you know, barely. And that's why this guy was able to jump in so easily and kill him. Was because it was just not guarded. You know, everybody's so chill here, man. You know, they don't fucking, nobody does this kind of shit. You know what I mean? It only takes a psycho, yeah. a psychopath to do that. Everybody's so chill. You know, if you, you don't pay your ticket, you could, he, he just jumped over a little fence. That's all we have there. You know, that's it. And you could go see Diamond's plan. If you just jump over the fence <laughs> and there was no one there to, 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 uh, to tell him no. You know what I mean? That's how relaxed it is. So it's kind of fucked up. Whoa, Jesus! I'm I'm glad it's changed with like um security nowadays and um where we are at yeah, now. In, I agree. In I concerts. agree. I agree because now I feel uh, safe at least <laughs> when I'm up there. I feel safe. <laughs> so, uh, staying on the top of topic of music, sorry. Uh, no I wanted to talk to you uh, about your new single, Luminescent, where everyone can go and check out now on all digital platforms where you can stream music, um, yeah. Spotify, and all this uh, digital stuff we spoke about earlier. Um, so, what inspired the lyrics to this single, and how do you feel it's differed to some of your other songs in terms of lyrics and how it's all come together? Because obviously, 
um, uh, we're in the middle of COVID. So has it been different to sort of bring it all together while this has happened, been happening as well? Well, May, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, like this song has, you know, this the lyrics for this one was written a long time ago, actually. There's nothing to do with that. Um, it, it was like kind of like um, a lot. A lot of the everything I everything I write, everything I write that's um, original stuff is uh, uh, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of messed up because it all has to be like personal. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it, does, yeah. it doesn't work. Um, so I kind of tell a, a kind of a stock answer. I know it's a stock answer, but this is this is just the truth. I need you to listen to it and uh put it into your own life in a weird way so if you can you know that's the thing is like i know you know you have the lyrics if you have the lyrics you can read the lyrics you know we'll do a lyric video for that eventually one day you know um but that's like the thing for me like you know even with any night rage song or any anything other than like uh i would say like any side projects or stuff or especially like armageddon stuff or daughter chaos stuff where those songs are all based off of like concepts you know like you know stupid like sci-fi goofy stuff that we were into <laughs> you know we're nerds so we like a lot of stuff. <laughs> so that band is very nerdy and we have always been about nerd stuff and like you know that that that's my kind of escape without having to <laughs> always uh try to d dig deep and find something to tell you that's really important and then hopefully that helps you somewhere somehow and uh, I don't want to tell you what it's about. I want you to, I want you to apply it to your own life. And when you're in the gym or you are playing a sport or you are whatever you're doing in your life that, you know, is at work, whatever the bullshit is in your life, this is your escape. And, you know, whatever the politics are going on, whatever the COVID, this isn't about that. This is the escape from that. So that's kind of the deal. Wow. What an interesting answer. <laughs> wow well that's just it that's how i've always looked at it so everything i've ever done everything ever since i was a kid um ever since i was doing things ever, ever since i started uh, being serious about it that's kind of how i always looked at it because those are my favorite artists that did that you know they do that kind of stuff you know danzig and you know life of agony and bands like uh you know typo negative dissection these bands are very serious about their own beliefs even though they might be all different things what they're speaking about it's from the heart and it's not i mean it's not necessarily for us to like ask them what is it exactly about what is this plan what is the plan the plan is for you to figure it out and do it on your own in a weird way you know what i mean so yeah uh, that that's the way i've um sort of seen it as well that you know um it, it might not be a pretty world but as long as you look at the truth straight on you know it's not going to be sugar-coated with anything that's just like oh it, it, it's like this but we can sugarcoat it to make it a little easier for you to tackle you know I feel <laughs> perfect yeah that's it that's exactly it that's it that is it there you go you have it that's what i think well, uh, where do you take your inspiration you and the guys take your inspiration from when you write music um, just from everything we listen to, man. I mean, we listen to so many different kinds of bands and so many different kinds of, uh, I mean, listen to everything from Bjork to like Slayer to Bolt Thrower to, you know, In Flames to, you know, 
the stupidest stuff. <laughs> like, you know, like I like, a, I like, I like a band called Kent from Sweden and they sing in only Swedish. And it's very, people would think it was really stupid. Probably if they listen to metal only, they'd probably hate it. You know, it's like, it's very different, but I, we draw in for inspiration from everything. Like Nick Zeros is like huge into funk. Like, you know, he played all the bass on the record. And if you listen to the bass on our new record, the fever syndrome, you listen to the bass on that. There's, it's just nothing but Bootsy Collins, man. It's just some, it's just some funk stuff. And that our new bass player is like his best friend from back in the day. And he plays the same way. So we, we had to have this dynamic. If you listen to it, it's, it's very funky. It has an own melody to it. It's not just metal. It's not just following a root note to a guitar riff. You know what I mean? So like, Stuff like that's huge, you know, because he sits around and listens to funk. I, I don't listen to that shit. <laughs> I hate that shit. I don't like that shit all the way. I like some stuff. I like Bootsy Collins. You know, I like, uh, I like, uh, you know, uh, I like Rick James. <laughs> I love Rick James, dude. No, Rick James is incredible. Rick James is an incredible bassist, incredible songwriter, incredible producer, incredible singer. You got to listen to a lot of Rick James albums to understand that shit. But he is bad motherfucking ass. So if you know that stuff and you can really get into it and just sit down and listen to it as a musician, you, you might find some different stuff happening. You might hear God to all melody happen because you're not just listening to black metal because you can't get that melody without listening to Rick James, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that is really true. Like, you know, you can't just have this one specific you know, your blinkers on at one genre, as long as you have some taste in other things that Correct. can help you influence. Correct. It, I feel it helps you so much more as just a musician and um, as a person as well. As a person, I agree too, because it, it helps you grow. It helps you, you know, see different sides of things. You know, you can't just listen to one thing all the time. That's crazy. That's crazy. You say that you're foolish whatever bro you're, you what do you want to pretend you're in watain dude okay great all right nice that's nice <laughs> that's great dude okay that's cool you know that that's that's whatever shit that's that's <laughs> that's, that's some that's some bullshit son <laughs> you know what i mean oh pick those guys up and introduce their heads to the earth you know what i'm saying like you know what i mean they don't know nothing you know those people can't defend themselves they don't you know anybody who takes this stuff that serious where they're gonna be like oh we're fucking satanic boy dude get out of my face you know what i mean like it's just dumb you know what i mean it's, yeah it's just dumb we're here to listen to everything we're gonna do it all we're gonna play soft we're gonna play heavy we're gonna play slow fast everything that's the deal you know the beautiful part about it it's like a, a beautiful dish you go out to eat yeah. and you get all these different flavors <laughs> yeah dude like I, i'm not into just playing one thing I, I i listen to black metal a lot and dude my wife will, will tell you straight up, like, this motherfucker just doesn't stop listening to Morbid Angel. Like, that's all he listens to. <laughs> like, and it's true. It's really all I listen to is that and Watain and Dissection. And I just listen to it all day. It's what I grew up on is listening to stuff like that. But I appreciate way more other things. And I will eventually rotate things out in and out because I just can't just sit and listen to that all day. It's impossible, you know. Uh, well, how would you say Meridian Dawn compares to some of the other bands you've been in at the past and what makes it unique to you as a person then? Well, I mean, I created the band. I came up with the name. I came up with the logo with Gustavo Cezaz. So it's just, it's something I can't 
it's really weird how this band keeps going because like as much as I try to stop doing this band, people keep pushing it in my fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. You don't understand. Like, you know, when this band was never my idea, but it keeps people keep pushing it on me. Like it's my idea, (laughs) but I love it. And it's a great band. I love doing it with Nick zeros. The, The previous members we had, you know, we we had a bunch of different like versions of the band from the past and the one we have now is killer because we got nathan uh bigelow on drums and we got seth funk on bass and it's just it's me and nick the same old and the fever syndrome album is it's got joe nunez on drums just like we uh had on the previous uh mixtape ep like we put out it's our first uh, release ever so people know that um but i mean that's the thing man it's like I, i never personally wanted this band to like become something it just just organically became what it is now it's kind of weird you know because like night rage was a band that like was there before i was in the band you know what i mean like mario's made that band whereas this was uh something i made on my own so i don't know it's weird (laughs) to have your own thing i guess i suppose that's what makes it unique for you that's um a really interesting answer (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know what else to say you know it's like that's the that's the history of the band for people to know you know it's like it's it it grew up from from being a a full band to being uh two guys now to being a band again you know it's kind of like a a weird thing it like kept going away kept coming up it's like six years old the record but uh but we uh we we put it out very fresh with brand new recording and um yeah so it's 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 like a it's like I said it's like a it's like a band that just won't go away from me for some reason. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, what would you say will, or believe makes a song important to connect with people you see for the first time? Well, I think it I think it just depends on just the melody and the structure of the song. I mean, if people if people if people connect with the lyrics too, you know that's huge, and and the the visual of it, you know, if you have like a, a video for it. Um, but I think it's, I think it's mostly the lyrics and the, the, um, song structure, you know, cause dude, you, you have songs that are like prog songs that are like 10 minutes long. And then you've got songs that are pop songs. And for some reason, like, why do more people like pop songs and not the proggy songs? Why? You tell me like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Very, very true. I mean, does it like get you scared when you release a new song? Cause it's, uh, like you said, it's essentially opening a part of yourself to everyone and saying, you know, this is what's inside me. Sure. I mean, but yeah, that's the thing is like, even musically, like you never know, like, are they going to like this? Did, did we go too far? Did we make it too complicated? You know, do they only like songs with catching clean vocals or do they want to hear only screaming vocals? What, what is it? You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it sort of like, uh, how, how do you prepare yourself for that then when you're essentially, you know, opening yourself up, like, a part of yourself is being exposed to people like do you have any fear about that no i don't really i just i because again i don't tell anybody the specifics of the lyrics if it's if it's that kind of fear like of what the song's about but but musically we just do it like me and nick just sit down and just roll you know what i mean like whatever drum beat we have going he'll start writing like playing a riff and i'll just be like no do this or or yeah that's perfect and then oh do this with it and then like, you know, copy paste stuff like that happens. You know what I mean? You know, cut and paste kind of things. And then, uh, yeah, that, that's how songs happen for, for me in terms of writing them. I don't really have uh, 
any fear of like it like being scary for people to uh to be like oh this uh i don't know the only thing like i said like a fear is if is if if is if they're scared that it's too out of the box of what we've done before maybe i don't know <laughs> but that you might be drifting from your style yeah maybe but they have to they i mean that's the thing is we've only put out so many things so we need to kind of see a couple more things come out and then see what they think. Cause, cause we have something that was going to be next after the fever syndrome. And um, if people like this, then dude, we're, we're going to get really weird. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get weird if they like this. It's good to experiment though. Like, um, you know, where your musical talents can take you as well. Yes. I mean, I've, I've been in bands before as well. And it's um, interesting from going to like, ridiculous bpms or you know <laughs> ridiculous time signatures that you just that keep you up at night and <laughs> oh, i'm never going to be able to get this in rehearsal <laughs> totally and nick and nick does that he goes dude how am i going to play this live and i'm like i don't know dude good luck uh, <laughs> i don't know man you know i don't know how i'm going to sing it live we'd have to figure that out because you know we've only we've never played live before so we're going to be doing that soon and and uh we're excited to try it because it's going to be a it's going to be a blast to, to get it going that's gonna be sweet yeah. <laughs> would you say um or particular moments have stood out to you in terms of your music career and positivity and hope to others like have you um like i remember you mentioning about <laughs> the fans that were hitting on the van about uh well like yeah the Beatles. I mean, was okay, there, anything there was one really cool one in greece that i'll, I'll always remember with with night rage as well um that I mean I've never experienced before in my life, man. We played, I think it was Larissa in Greece, is a city in Greece, Larissa. And we played this a venue, it was a very cool like club, you know, maybe like 400, 500 people, you know, uh, something like that. And um we tore it up. They went insane, you know, we're like uh stage diving stuff, you know, everything. Uh all the cherries on top. And at the end of the show, you know, like um the promoter wanted to take us to a, a local rock bar, you know, and uh, we walk there. We, uh, before, after we get a very nice meal, they give us a awesome uh, five-star Greek meal and we eat that and we go home to the rock bar and we walk in, it's like half the venue is there. And when we walk in, they all stand up and applaud us as we walk in. Yeah. So that was, um, that was, that was something I've never in my life seen before you know what i mean i've never seen that before so that's cool it was we were all like what <laughs> we thought we were just gonna go in and just like sit down there. and drink and everybody just the whole place it was the whole place it was this venue the venue just went from the venue to that bar and yeah and then we talked with them all night and uh yeah, I'll never forget that because it was, uh, you know, it was when we first done Wearing a Martyr's Crown and we hadn't uh, really done any touring for it except in Greece. And we were kind of down because we weren't going to like get any like bigger tours for that album. And we had to just go straight into recording Insidious because we felt like we deserved to do maybe a European tour or something like for that album. We didn't get it, but we did a bunch of stuff in Greece and a bunch of stuff like in Southern Europe and uh, but that was just a huge moment because we felt like vindicated a little bit because of that. So that was cool.
I've got more, man. I've got more. I just, you just really remind cool me. You have some incredible <laughs> stories. Of stuff. That was a, you reminded me of that somehow. <laughs> you, you, you stuck at my brain. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. And, and then they also had a very good Thank DJ you. there. I, I don't remember know. Well that rock bar where like I was like, uh, play this dark funeral song that was very obscure and they just had it immediately. Like bang, like that. And it was like, they just was playing whatever you asked them to play. They had it. It was really cool. It was, this was, I, well, yeah, yeah, because the food was amazing and, and yeah, we, you know, the girls were very I pretty. Bet you never and, wanted you know, to it was, leave. It was, a, it was a great time and, you know, we were close to the sea, you know, we were going to be, uh, you know, we, we played in Crete on that tour, man. We got to play Crete. We got to play the island of Crete, okay? And we played in a cave bar. The bar was made out of rock and we played with like, we played with the practice amps. The Olaf Mork from Amaranth was playing with a, a practice amp with Night Rage. Okay? Okay? And, and we, we, we did an improvised version of it. Uh, and, and, and Joe Nunez as well, of course, uh, was there playing uh, a, a drum kit that had no, that only had a bass drum mic only. And there was 30 people there. And we did like an improvised version of Inter Sandman, I remember. And we just did it. Like we just did it. And everybody just knew the song and we just did it. And it was, that was really weird that we did that. That was a, a weird moment. And everybody in the crowd sang the song with us, all the 30 kids there. And there was a weird girl there that was like Swedish and Greek. And we'd never seen a Swedish Greek girl before. And she was speaking Swedish to us, but with a Greek accent. And we were all freaked the fuck out because <laughs> we'd never heard that before. <laughs> and she lived there on this island because, you know, in Crete, man, this was in the wintertime. And we were playing for the people that lived on the island. This wasn't during tourist season. In the, in the summertime is where the tourists come, you know. So, like, <clears throat> we were the only band to play there besides the Scorpions, like they said. It was us and the Scorpions, and they played the soccer stadium, and we played the fucking shrimp bar. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine Night Rage playing in a cave bar, and just on the outskirts of the middle of the of the ocean, man, and just on Crete, the island of Crete. Okay, we did that, and it was crazy, weird stuff. There you go. Here's another one. Yeah. Wow, cool that stuff, is cool so stuff. cool. If I can remember it, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, I can imagine, like, when you're going to be, like, in your 70s or, like, 90s, you're going to be like, gather around, kids. Granddad, Anthony. Well, has hopefully cool uh, stories to there'll tell be you. somebody else there. Like, it, you know, they can just play this and listen to it. And I don't have to say it all the time. <laughs> they got all the posters and all the pictures and stuff on the wall. They can have that stuff. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> the, pretty much <laughs> uh, so how would you say music has affected the way you see the world and people oh, in it's, terms it's, of freedom I think and it's everything. I mean if, if I mean music I think changes the way people feel about you know politics and stuff like that you know you got even a great British band like uh, Napalm Death you know they are so political and uh, continue to even their new out al- their new album is incredible i uh, encourage everybody to listen to the new napalm death album and uh read the lyrics and uh fuck your brain up with that shit and uh that's some that's good stuff right there that's for you know uh <laughs> since i was a kid that's the band you know what i mean i'm wearing some napalm death shorts right now um so there you go boy you know 
that's a that's one thing I did actually get from you know um when I first heard metal and my introduction to metal it was uh I'd say it was a really scary one but once I actually you know heard the lyrics and heard what people were pouring out into these into these songs you know it's it can be really I guess kind of distressing to and I guess heroic as well if you want to put it that people would open themselves up so much to you know, say, you know what, it's not all that bad. Come check our tunes yeah, out. We've been totally, through this. Man. We're here for you, you know, and it, it, feel, it feels like it's like, I don't know, like you're not yes, alone. That's the it's idea. Be okay. that, that's why I tell people, I'm not, if I tell you what this song's about, then you're going to think about that shit. You're not going to be able to make it your own thing. You're going to go, well, that's about that. You know what I mean? Civil War by Guns N' Roses is about fucking the Civil War. <laughs> You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we know yeah. what this shit's about, dude. You know what I mean? But you, I mean, now maybe pinball map could be about whatever you want it to be. You just read those lyrics. And if you read that, those lyrics are, those are, those lyrics could be interpreted however you want. You know what I mean? That's the idea. You know, it's not like obituary, you know, where it's like, okay, fucking chopped in half. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's different. Okay. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about something else, something a little deeper. And that's where we lie is you can take it and put it to your own little thing. Don't let me tell you what it is because then it's going to ruin it. You know, ruins it. It's a beautiful way to view it. Cause it's not like, you know, a typical pop song in a, you know, standard four, four time signature, 120 BPM. Uh, and, and, you know, the drums have been programmed in by logic. Or, you know, Pro well, we do that too sometimes <laughs> only just, just because we, we do that for like uh, recording aspects. But we always have, like you said, like we have like real drums and real feel and real guitars. And, you know, our stuff's real. We don't want to have like fake sampled shit. You know what I mean? We want to have real, real stuff. You know what I'm saying? We have real stuff too. You know, besides just only samples, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It makes the tune more real that, you know, oh, if you break a snare head yeah. while you're recording something, you know, that'll probably get and caught on recording. And that's and on our record, actually. You know, if you listen the to the songs stuff. on our album, you'll hear, you will hear Joe Nunez crack the snare drum like it's never been cracked because that's real. We don't try to we try to keep it real like that because drums and vocals that's the real aspect of of this kind of music you know guitars you can kind of get away with it you know a little bit putting through some some effects and stuff like that for again aesthetic reasons you know but drums you know vocals that stuff needs to be real you know it has to be Definitely, that's oh, I, that's the quote. <laughs> yeah, of the day, analog right? is <laughs> analog is real, digital is dead. There you go. Hundred percent agree with you there, my friend. <laughs> um, so I've got two more questions to finish off the show. Yeah, man, again, no problem. Thank Fire you so away. Much for taking the time you too, out. brother. Thank it's you very much for having long. me. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so as 2020 is almost at an end, uh, what would you say is one thing we can take out of this year to help us in, in uh, to move forward into the future? Uh, I would just definitely say, um, you know, uh, everybody just wear a mask and, uh, you know, keep yourself positive. Um, we're, it's, it's almost over, you know, 
uh, we're going to be booking shows. So uh, nobody be scared. We're going to be playing shows. We've already got them pretty much confirmed. Um, I mean, even a tour. So, so, so far. Okay, guys, like, and, and some cruises. So we're looking into playing some stuff. So everybody be safe and just have fun and, and uh, stay home as much as you can. And then when they tell you to come out, come out. And if you don't, don't. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you did say uh, keep positive as well. What what would you say personally helps keep you positive when there's uh, again? A lot of I, I, I do a lot of workout. Year. I work out in the gym. You know, I I do a lot of music. You know, I mean, my wife and I we 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 train jujitsu together. So that's kind of a thing most people maybe don't have. But I I would definitely invest in that. You know, if a lot of especially you know cities are opening up and stuff like that. You know look into your local jujitsu community, see if there's anything like that around, you know, especially 10th planet, you know, look in your 10th planet community, see, you know, especially in the UK, there is 10th planet in the UK. There's 10th planet London. You know what I mean? You guys can go there and, and uh, talk to those guys. They're awesome. I've, uh, I, I know the dudes that are there. There's a black belt from Eddie Bravo. You know what I mean? It's legit. So stuff like that can, you know, can really ch- change your, yourself. If you're, if you're sitting at home and you're just, you can't just sit at home. <laughs> That's for sure. You got to do something else. <laughs> yeah, you do. You, you can't be like eating, you know, God knows what. Like, um, I'm trying to think of American Twinkies, snacks. Bro. But Twinkies, you know, dude, Twinkies. On Facebook. <laughs> That's the or one. Ho-ho's. My favorite here in America is Ho-Ho's. That's my favorite. They're looking for a Ho-Ho. Then I, when I come to the UK, I'm going to bring I've you a ho-ho, okay? And you're going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, nah, dude. We're going to do something else beforehand, and you're going to be like, shut the fuck up. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll, I swear I'll be to God, to I'll, I'll get one and <laughs> just put it in my fucking bag. It's very easy to take it. <laughs> it's very easy. They're in small little packages, little boxes. I can bring one. <laughs> I so am. you're a big UFC fan? Um, yeah, uh, like yeah. I mean, I, I trained in uh, that my whole life, you know, since I was five years old in martial arts. And um, yeah, I'm a John Bateo blue belt uh, at 10 Planet Phoenix. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm uh, always working towards that. Uh, always doing martial arts every day, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's part of my life. So yeah, I, I watch it all the time. Glory kickboxing. Anything that's on TV, I can watch. I do it. <laughs> so... That is so cool. You have a really cool life. I'm glad that I've had you. Well, hey, man, everyone can have a cool life, dude. It ain't (laughs) just me, man. I'm just telling you the dumb shit I do. I mean, I I just act like a big kid. You know what I mean? I'm 40 years old. Don't, don't, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to do that, you can do that. You know, it's, it's, why not? You know, fuck what your parents told you. Fuck what anybody's told you. You can make your life whatever you want it to be. You know what I'm saying? And that's it. So, there you go. What would you say helps keep you grounded then? Sure. Like, um, <laughs> uh, I'll finish off with one more question, actually. Um, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, what values do you believe are important to be taught? Bro, it to really broke to up just the last the second. Can you just say it one more time? Yeah. <laughs> 
that was just the, the last part I just didn't hear. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, I know we're obviously talking across a big ocean, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, I think uh, it. I think you need to teach people that to, be, uh, to, to, to embrace to diversity and to uh, and to be and just to, and just to be happy with who they are. You know what I mean? Just just explore your your yourself and what and hold things that mean importance to you and anything anything you hold up that's uh, means something you know important can can uh can be powerful so you should just you should just stick to that and always be positive man same deal changing the world with that that's a perfect way to end it um Thank you so much, Anthony. And um, I was very nervous. <laughs> no, but you did a great job. You, 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 you pronounce it perfectly, just like a Finnish person. Ham a line in. That's why I give the ham a line in. That's it, dog. You too, man. Thank you very much. Honored speech. Yeah, you too, brother. I'll see you then. Thank you very much. I'll see you down see the road. You, brother. <laughs> Thank you for checking out today's episode. If you enjoyed, please consider dropping a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and share with a friend. It all means so much to me. Thank you. See you in the next one.